You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Good time. So, how's the tribe doing today? We doing okay? We spunky today? We're going to have a good time today. So hopefully you're full of turkey and all kinds of food and watch plenty of football. Um, but let me ask you this. How many of you, uh, you know, surfing around online have read about the metaverse? Does anybody know anybody? Does a couple of us know about the metaverse? Okay. Um, well, there's a lot of hype about the metaverse right now. And some of you are asking, what is the metaverse? Well, it's supposed to be the next version of the internet, if you will. The metaverse is supposed to replace our current internet. And so we'll enter into a virtual reality world. We'll put on our VR goggles and we'll experience a lot of augmented reality, you know, like Pokemon Go or like the yellow line on football games, you know, where you have to reach the, you know, yellow line. By the way, some of you didn't know that's like not really on the field, okay? That's like augmented reality, but we'll also be experiencing virtual reality in the metaverse, and so our phones and our computers and our pads will be replaced with virtual reality goggles to go into the metaverse. And so in the future, uh, if this plays out like a lot of the experts are saying, is that in the future, we'll go to concerts in the metaverse, we'll spend digital currencies in the metaverse, like Bitcoin and Ethereum and Litecoin, and a whole generation of people is being trained to operate in the virtual world of the metaverse in the future through games like Fortnite. And uh, perhaps some of you know that uh, there was a concert recently. Travis Scott had a concert on the metaverse. I guess Houston wishes he had had his you know, concert there virtually rather than in person, but there were 12 million people that paid to go to a virtual reality concert on Fortnite. And in that game, you spend a digital currency called V-Bucks. Now, right now, China is in the process of rolling out their digital currency. If you go to England um, right now, they're setting up a task force to figure out how to roll out their digital currency. And one of the things that really open my eyes to see maybe this meta, there might be something to this metaverse thing is that in Seoul, Korea, right now they've just announced that they'll be starting to operate their city government on the metaverse in 2023. So here's how that'll work out. It's like if you get a traffic ticket, rather than driving down to the city government building to pay your ticket or, you know, send your attorney down there to get you a, you know, deferred adjudication or whatever, right? Um, Like we do, you'll put on your virtual reality goggles and you'll walk virtually into the city government building and you'll use a digital currency in order to pay your traffic ticket. Some of you know that Facebook recently announced their new name is what? Meta. And back in 2014, they purchased Oculus, the makers of VR goggles, so um, obviously they wanna sell some headsets. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, where's all this leading? And the memes are already out about how the metaverse is gonna lead to this like dystopian future, right, where people are laying around, you know, controlled by the government, you know, like on the Matrix or something like that. But the way I see it is that certainly that could happen, but uh, technology is just a tool. 
isn't it? It can be used for good, it can be used for bad, just like our current internet, right? Some people use it for good, some people use it for bad. So it's just a tool like a knife, right? A knife is really bad if it's stabbing you. A knife is really good if it's cutting your steak or if you're a vegetarian, your lettuce or whatever you're, you're eating there. Um, but in the future, I don't think that Christ followers need to be afraid of emerging technologies. We have to embrace them and see how we can utilize them for good. So perhaps someday, you know, you'll be able to put on VR goggles and walk into the cameo and worship God, you know, in a virtual experience. I've read about some places that are actually baptizing people virtually. I'm not sure how I uh, feel about that, but there'll always be a space for in-person, right? Because we know that we're made to be around other human beings. And so we wanna make sure and keep that component in a world of high tech. We always have to be a church that is high touch. But um, here's the question. Doug, why are you talking about the metaverse in church? I mean, what does the, whatever technology have to do with the Bible and with our study of Revelation in chapter 20? Let me show you. I want you to think about how people are gonna spend money digitally in the future, the digital currency, as we read a couple of different verses from Revelation. We'll start in verse, chapter 20, verse four. It says, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. And those who had not worshiped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. So in case you're new to church, why will people have to take a mark in the future? Why will, according to Revelation, why will people take a mark? Go back to Revelation 13, 17. No one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast and the number of its name. And we know that that number is what? 666, right? So um, the number of God, 777, it's God and Vegas, 777, but the beast is 666. So what if sometime in the future, a world leader emerges who can control the digital currency that the whole world is moving toward right now in the, on the internet or in the metaverse or whatever technology happens at that time. What if said world leader controls people's ability to spend money and uh, what if this leader makes people get something on their foreheads or their hand in order to use the digital currency of the future. By the way, where does a virtual apparatus go when you put it on? Look at the next picture, you know, it goes on your forehead or your hand. And so, by the way, don't freak out. I'm not saying that virtual reality goggles are the mark of the beast or something like that. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, currently, I don't believe that that's the mark of the beast. I think it's just fine. But the reason I'm showing you all this is it helps us to see how completely plausible it is that we would have to have something on our hand or our forehead in order to spend money in the future. Maybe the Bible is not so out of touch with the future as some people would think, and it's all leading up to something. You know what it's leading up to? Something called the millennium, okay? What is the millennium, okay? It's not the millennium falcon on, you know, Star Wars, but it is the millennium. It's, it's a thousand-year Period. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer three questions about the millennium today. What is it? Why does it matter? What do we do about it? What is it? Why does it matter? What do we do about the knowledge that we gain 
about the millennium. So first, what is it? The millennium stands for 1,000, referring to the 1,000-year period in which Christ will literally reign on the earth. So when I say millennium, you say 1,000. When I say 1,000, you say millennium. Ready to play along? Here we go. Millennium. 1,000 years. That's what it is. It's a 1,000-year period somewhere in the future, I believe. And here's what's gonna happen before, during, and after the millennium if you read through Revelation chapter 20. The first thing is gonna happen during the millennium, during the thousand years. Number one, Satan will be bound and the saints or the people of God will govern the earth for a thousand year period of time. The second thing's gonna happen before the millennium and that is, is that believers will be beheaded if they don't have the mark of the beast on their hand or their forehead. The third thing's gonna happen after the millennium, and that is Satan will be released after a thousand years to deceive the nations for a very brief time, and then God will judge Satan and uh, dispose of him for good. The fourth thing's gonna happen after the thousand years, and that is the great white throne judgment of God, okay? And that's a time where everyone will have to face the music, everyone will have to stand before God, give an account for their lives, and you can't get a crooked attorney, you can't do deferred, deferred adjudication, you can't you know, sneak out of it, you can't say, hey, I'm just gonna do a Zoom call with you, God. You know, see, you're gonna have to be there uh, for, for God. There's no getting around this one. And then the last thing that's gonna happen after the millennium will be the end of death and of evil for good. Uh, all that causes evil, Death will be gone. All that causes evil, whether it's the Antichrist or the devil or people that want an anti-God future, um, that'll all be done away with. And so I wanna show you some charts here for a minute to show you the different way people believe the millennium plays out. And these come from visual theology and basically the first view is called all millennialism or amillennialism and it means there's gonna be no millennium. So when I say all millennial, you, you say no millennium. Ready, here we go, all millennial. No millennium. They, they would say that that thousand year period of time is symbolic, that it's not gonna be this literal thousand year period. And all millennialists would say that we're actually living in the millennium right now. They would say the millennium is the same as the church age that we currently live in. And so if you're of all millennialists, you're saying, hey, I'm realizing that I'm living in the kingdom of God right now. And they would point to these passages where Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is here. And they would say, quit looking at all these charts and graphs of the future and how Revelation's gonna play out. Live and bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven right now. Try and do things to serve and love people on the earth right now. And one of the things that you believe if you say, if you're all millennial and believe the kingdom of God is here at hand right now, is you would say that Satan is currently bound. Remember that. I'm going to come back to that here in just a minute. Um, there's a guy I love listening to who holds to a version of all millennialism, and his name is Michael Heiser, and he leads something called the Naked Bible Podcast. Is it the, he's not naked, the Bible's right. And you get what he's saying there, but look at the next view of the millennium, and that is called post millennialism. So uh, post millennialism believes that Christ will return post or after the thousand year period of time. After the thousand year, you know, uh, 
time that we're in, they would say we're in right now. Um, And this view would say the world is getting better and better and better during the millennium, and that after the millennium, that Christ will return because the world's gotten so much better and the earth has been Christianized, you know, that Christians share their faith and more and more people, finally the whole world comes to faith in Jesus and then Jesus will return at the end of the millennium. And so people that hold to this view would go to websites like humanprogress.org and they would say, hey, that, that website shows us all the ways that living on planet Earth is getting better and better and better all the time and that makes post-millennialism uh, compelling for some people. But look at the third view and it's called pre-millennialism. And that means that Christ will return pre or before this period of a thousand years. And this is the view that I lean in the direction of. I currently believe this viewpoint. This view says, yes, Revelation does talk about past realities, and it also talks about the kingdom of God coming in the future. So the kingdom is now and it's not yet. So the kingdom of God, we experience glimpses of it and we bring it to earth in in tangible ways. By the way, when I say we bring the kingdom of God to earth, if you're new to church, we're not talking about assembling a Christian army and taking over the government or anything like that. It's like we love people and we serve people in order to bring, you know, the good of God and Jesus here on the earth in the here and now. And throughout this series, I've referenced a premillennial Bible teacher named Gary Hamrick that teaches at Cornerstone Chapel, and we'll show you his YouTube channel, so in case you want to go back and listen to Gary, he does, I believe, a great job of uh, showing people premillennial kind of theology. And I want to show you two reasons why I lean in the direction of premillennialism. The first is this. I don't believe the earth is currently being Christianized. I don't believe everything's going to get better. Uh, I think that there are some facets of human life that are getting better, and I think some things are getting worse. But Christianity, while it's growing in the world, no doubt Christianity is growing. Islam is outgrowing Christianity, and according to Pew Research, Islam will be the dominant world religion by 2050. And furthermore, Jesus in Matthew 24 teaches us that as we approach the end of history and the world as we know it, that there'll be what he calls a great apostasy. That is, there'll be a falling away. A lot of people will fall away from belief in God or Jesus or the Bible, the things of God. And he says the love of many people will grow cold. And I think we're seeing a bit of that today, are we not? So uh, I don't believe the earth is being Christianized as the post-millennialists believe. And then I also don't believe that the devil is bound. The devil is not bound right now, according to what view? Anybody? All millennialism. Thank you, all two of you that got that, right? So uh, all, millennial, all millennialists believe that the devil is currently bound, okay? So I want you to think about that viewpoint as we read through Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. Uh, he says, and he seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is who? the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. Remember a thousand years is the blame? Bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit 
and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. So uh, according to these verses, the devil was taken, he's thrown into a pit, there's a lid put on the pit, and it's sealed, right? So he's not going around deceiving people, getting, making people crazy, right? Anybody besides me see any evidence the devil is loose and doing his thing all over the planet, freaking people out all over the world? And so I, that's why uh, I don't buy into all millennialism. But um, we've seen what the millennium is, and now let's ask another question. Why does it matter? Why do we even need to know about some future thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth? Well, a couple of reasons. To be watchful for it and to be prepared for it. So we wanna be prepared for the future, not persnickety about it. And so, you know, some Christians, they love to argue about everything, right? And they argue about, you know, theology and end time stuff with their Christian friends. Well, we don't wanna be argumentative in that way. I would agree with Rupertus Maldinus, and he said, in essentials, we've got unity. In non-essentials, we've got liberty. In all things, charity. So in other words, there are certain doctrines in the Bible that, yeah, we gotta believe that stuff. It's like, hey, we gotta believe the Bible is inspired by God, right? We gotta believe that uh, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We gotta believe that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus. And so uh, that's where we gotta have unity there. But there are some things, some, some ideas in the Bible or some doctrines, you know, like you've heard of maybe speaking in tongues or views of the future or the end of the world. Well, those things we have some liberty, but whatever we think, even if we're engaging with people that we disagree with and that don't even believe in God, we wanna have charity towards all people, see? And so um, we wanna be prepared. And I don't see any value in have, you know, trying to equip you to win arguments with your friends about theology. Um, we want to focus in on being prepared. And as your pastor who loves you, um, I really want you to know the issues and the views out there. But most of all, I just want you to have a really great eternity. That's what I want for you. And so the good news today is you don't have to know all the ins and outs of being a dispensational premillennialist in order to be prepared for the future. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of being an all-millennial preterist, which is a, you're like, what the heck is that? Okay, uh, look at the chart later, okay? But you don't have to know all the ins and outs of this stuff in order to be prepared for the future. And that leads us to the third question is, what do I do about all this, okay? So, so what, there's gonna be a, a future thousand years, what do I do about it? Well, four things you do. And I think on this first one, all the different views of the millennium could agree um, that the first thing we wanna do is we wanna be vigilant not to be deceived by the devil's misinformation. Let's be vigilant to not be deceived by the devil's misinformation. If you read through Revelation chapter 20, you would see that it's very in tune with the activities of the devil on the earth, the activities of Satan and the Antichrist and all the forces of evil that are at work in the world. And one of the things that you'll see is that the devil is all about division, dividing people. Does anybody see any evidence of that in the world right now, right? And the devil, what he's trying to do is get not just the world out there to be fighting with each other, but also get 
the church to fight and divide and not be unified, see? And so it's like trying to get us to divide over race. Well, we all know that uh, the family of God, church, is an interracial couple, man. It's like an interracial family. We've got all of us represented here, right? And then the enemy is trying to get us to divide over masks or shots or vaccines, right? And we just say, hey, man, we're not gonna divide over that stuff. We love each other. No, if you get 50 shots, I still love you. Um, if, you know, if you, if you don't get any shots, I love you. Um, if you wear a mask or don't, you know, uh, I, I still, we, we love each other here and we want to stay unified, right? So the devil is trying to create division. And a few weeks ago, we looked at this story, perhaps some of you remember it, where these Russian spies actually got on Facebook and created ads and they created these two groups and then they created a protest and a counter protest in Houston, Texas. So uh, the protest was titled, Stop the Islamification of Texas, right? So you can imagine uh, a lot of Texans want to be a part of the group to stop the Islamification of Texas. And then these Russians actually, on their computers from Russia, they created a counter-protest called Save Islamic Knowledge. And sure enough, those two groups showed up at the same time, the same place in Houston, Texas, and there was conflict there, right? And what the enemy is trying to, so the enemy works just like that through misinformation. He's convincing some people the royal family are lizard people. You know, it's it's plausible, okay? But uh, anyways, uh, the enemy's division is what he's hoping is that it'll lead to violence. Because the enemy, the devil, loves to bring violence to harm people. You know what I'm saying? Um, He's very violent. And sometimes he'll do violence in the name of religion sometimes. But um, do you think that crime rose or went down during 2020 and 2021? Everybody's saying, Rose, I tricked you. I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, Actually, a lot of crime factors went down. So we didn't experience a crime wave during most of the pandemic, um, but we, we did experience not just a wave, but a tsunami of violent crimes. Okay. According to the FBI, take a look. The murder rate rose by 30%, the largest increase on record. Aggravated assault, the most common form of violent crime, rose 12%. Among other components of the violent crime rate, robbery actually decreased and rape reports were flat, but property crimes overall fell 8%, led by drops in burglary and larceny, though motor vehicle theft increased. Okay, so uh, people are stealing cars, but they're not stealing other stuff, and violence was on the rise. And one of the things you got to know about Satan's kingdom and what he likes to lead, not just now, but in the future, is violence. And he'll bring violence, Revelation 20 tells us, he'll bring violence towards people who choose to believe in the end times. And so, the reason I'm telling you that is because Right now, some of you are listening to this talk and you're thinking, this guy's crazy train, okay? You're reading these Bible verses and some guy's gonna like execute people if they won't take some mark on them. But what I want you to know is, is that in the future, if some force in the world wants you to take a mark on your right hand or forehand to buy or sell, do not take that mark. And I won't seem so crazy at that point. But what the devil wants to lead us toward is a bias of unbelief, right? Of not 
believing in God or he doesn't even want us to believe in him. The devil wants us to think that he doesn't even exist. It's kind of like Kevin Spacey's character on that movie Usual Suspects where he says, nobody believed he was real. That was his power. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. See, because if you don't even believe there's a devil, then you can't logically deduce that there is a God, right? And a lot of people these days are are, are leaning in a bias towards unbelief. And I so respect and love you if you're a spiritual investigator or haven't even believed yet and you're coming here, you're at least open-minded enough to come here and check out you know, the Bible and the things of God, and there is substantial evidence to believe that not only was Jesus absolutely a historical person, but he actually and literally and historically rose again from the dead. And so look at the second thing we can do about the fact of a uh, millennium coming in the future. I mean, we're gonna see more and more unbelief, violence, and division, but right now we should be about earning our rewards. Earn your rewards. So how many of you have a credit card or have had a credit card where you get rewards back, like maybe cash back or maybe you get airline miles or something like that. Okay, that's good. Well, God is not a credit card. He's way better than a credit card, but he handsomely rewards people who serve him and serve humanity in his name with good heart motives. In fact, he's gonna give responsibilities in the future according to the Bible, responsibilities to govern, lead. And look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, or do you not know that the saints or the church or the people of God will judge the world? And so believers are going to be given, a lot of us believe, responsibility to govern certain parts of the earth in the future. If we've been faithful with the small things in this life, we'll be given much more later to govern and take care of. And I really love underwater things, and so I'm praying for the Great Barrier Reef, right? God put me in charge of that. I'll snorkel every day and govern the fish underwater. But um, look at 1 Corinthians 3.13. It talks about the future judgment, and it says, The fire will test the sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a what? Say the word, reward, right? If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And so what that's talking about is a lot of people that have believed, and they they know Jesus and believe in him, and they're gonna make it to heaven, but they didn't really you know, invest their life in doing anything to earn rewards forever and ever and ever, right? I mean, it's like, these are the people that it's kind of like in our world, if it's like, could have invested in Apple stocks or Microsoft back in the 80s or something, right? But um, they just didn't invest, didn't do anything to serve humanity, to earn rewards in the future. And they'll get, they're gonna get in as through fire, like by the skin of their teeth, but no rewards uh, once they get here. And so the reason I brought that up is because in Revelation chapter 20, it talks about these little books. And so there's gonna be a stack of little books similar to this stack I have of these little books. And what the books are is they represent everything that you've ever done, everything I've ever done. So there'll be a little book for each person. And you know, there's a little book being written about you right now every single thing you've ever done and your heart motive to everything you've ever done. Now, some people think, and they would be wrong, that these books are about 
getting more good things recorded in your little book than bad things. And if you have more good stuff in your little book, then you'll get into heaven um, if you have more good stuff than bad in your little book. But the reality is the purpose of these little books record, that, that record everything you've ever done is to show you and every being in the universe that you're not perfect enough to get into heaven. I'm not, you're not, Mother Teresa's not, the Pope's not, Billy Graham's not, T.D. Jakes is not, Michael Todd, whatever pastor, priest, rabbi, or Jedi you like to follow is not perfect enough to get into heaven. So that leads me to number three, what we can do about it. Make doubly sure that your name is written in the big book. Revelation talks about the little books of the stuff we've done, and then there's a big book that's called the book of life, right? The Lamb's book, book of life. And so um, you want your name, for sure, for, for sure, in this book. It's not literally this, you know, it's just an illustration. But, um, but it, there's going to be a book that the names of people are recorded in who have known Jesus on the earth. And God's not gonna, you're not gonna stand before God that day. And he's not gonna say, hey, were you all millennial or post-millennial? He's not gonna care about all that. What he's gonna say is, is your name in this book? And he's gonna like already know whether or not your name is in the book. And here's why you wanna make sure your name is in the book. Um, because it, it gets you into heaven. But look at number four. Make sure that others you know are given the best possible chance to get their names in the book of life. And here's why. Revelation 20, verse 15 says, and this is hard. It's hard for me to say, and I know it's gonna be hard for some of you to hear. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And there's not many ways for me to soften that. I just have to kind of give it to you straightforward as the Bible says it. If someone's name is not in the book of life, then they're cast into the lake of fire. What is that fire all about in, in hell? Well, I've, had, uh, I've heard and read one pastor, author, teacher, Timothy Keller, explain it like this. He says, people who don't know God, they worship other good things sometimes that become idols. So for some people, since we all know that family is important and family is good, some people idolize their family even above God. And other people idolize their career. Other people idolize fitness or their stuff or their, their money, possessions, whatever. And what that does is it lights a small fire in your heart and you pursue it and you, you, you pursue that thing that you see above God and the fire grows. And if we're eternal beings, after you've been in the afterlife for a million years, that small fire grows to a forest fire, grows to the flames of hell. Will it be literal flames in hell? Probably not. It'll probably be something worse. It'll be a place completely without God. Right now, God holds the earth together. It's by his grace that he keeps our oxygen going, that he keeps our earth on its axis, that he gives us water and all good gifts. But someday there will be a reality 
without God. And I don't think people understand what that means for them. It won't be a good existence. If you want God out, God will say, okay, I'm not gonna force myself on anyone. But if you want him out of the picture, there are realities that you have to deal with. And the Bible calls it the lake of fire or hell. And some years ago, I read this old pastor that's long since dead. His name was R.G. Lee. And he talks about these pioneers that were crossing the American plains to get, you know, from the East Coast to the West Coast. And one of the things they had to worry about were the plains fires, right? Because if those plains fires are coming, uh, it, it, you can't escape it. In this one group, they were crossing the plains and they were on their covered wagons and all this type of thing. And they saw the smoke in the distance and then it was moving really fast and they could see the flames and there was no place for them to get away. They couldn't get away to a river or a lake or anything like that. And so they're thinking, what are we gonna do? Because it is coming fast. The fire is raging towards them. And so what the leader of this group did is he took a match and he did a little controlled burn on the ground. And he burned the ground and he had all the covered wagons and the, you know, the people and their horses and all of that get onto the burned ground. And they just stood there and they waited as the flames approached them. And this one man was holding his little daughter's hand and she said, Daddy, you know, are we gonna be burned to death? And he said, honey, we're gonna be just fine because we're standing on the ground that's already been burned. See? And look, when you've chosen to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, you're standing on the ground that's already been burned and your name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're gonna be just fine, see? Right on, that's good news, right? So, but what do you say we pray? Because perhaps God brought someone here today who would like to get their name recorded into the big book, right? So let's, let's pray and let's talk to God for a minute and maybe if you've never had a love relationship with God before and you want one right now, just in your own heart and mind, you don't even have to do it out loud watching online, you can just speak this as a prayer in your heart between you and God, something like this, God, look, I know I've screwed some stuff up and sinned, and right now, the best I understand it, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin, and he rose again from the dead to give me new life. Welcome into my life, God. Thank you for coming in. And there are others of us that have known God, perhaps for a short time, perhaps for a long time. But this stuff makes us think, you know, I put a lot of stuff over God right now. And God, I feel distracted. And God, I know I need to be about helping everyone I know get their name into the book of life. Because someday, on that day, so many of the things that I'm distracted by are not gonna matter. The only thing that's gonna matter is, is, is my friend, my loved one, my coworker, my schoolmates, is their, our neighbors, is their name written in the book of life? And I wanna keep that at the forefront of my mind, you know? I don't wanna just go to sleep and you know, live my life, a life of mush where I don't do anything. I don't serve anyone, I don't love anyone, I don't you know, lead anybody to Jesus. God, I don't wanna forget the significance of that time 
and I long and look forward to the rewards that you'll give me someday because that's what I want to live for, God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. So as we wrap up today, uh, next week we'll get back to Revelation and we only have two more weeks of Revelation. We've been going through this all year so it's been a long, long series of studying this and next week is gonna be a lot more fun for me to teach because it's about what's heaven gonna be like. It's Revelation chapter 21 so you wanna make sure and come on back for that one as we study that one. Also I wanted to let you know that there's a men's ministry event coming up soon. It's called Man on Fire, not like the hell kind of fire but it's like a different like passionate fired up for God, right? Uh, Man on on fire going to happen Tuesday, December the 7th at 6.30 p.m. right here in the Cameo. So men, if you'd like to be a part of that, it's a super awesome event. And then uh, one of the ways that we worship is through our financial stewardship, you know, and we think that it's important to invest our resources in helping people come to faith in Jesus. And so that's why we bring a first fruit tithe here at the local storehouse of the church. And since we don't pass buckets or plates at City Tribe Church, here's how to get that done um, by mail online. Um, you can text to tithe or in person at the boxes, go by and drop your offerings in there, hit the QR code. So before you guys worship through your generosity, let's stand up together and receive a benediction over you. And so if you're with your crew, you can put your arm around them or whatever. Uh, you know, don't, don't touch anybody you don't know, okay? We have boundaries here, right? But, um, or you can put a hand out in a position to receive. But um, dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from here, may you walk from here investing in what will bring you eternal rewards, bringing the kingdom of God's love, grace, and mercy to a world that desperately needs it. Go from here, seen with eyes of discernment through the misinformation of the devil. Go from here and live prepared. Turn to someone next to you and tell them, live prepared. Awesome. You guys get out of here. We'll see you guys next time. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.